hold on to me as we go as we roll down this unfamiliar road and although this wave is stringing us along just know you're not alone I'm gonna make this place your home. Good morning. It's time for the Kern County Real Estate Review on AM 1560, FM 97.7, KNZR, and streaming live on KNZR.com with Kern County's most listened to realtor and the host of our show, Lori McCarty of the McCarty Group at Coldwell Banker. Consistently ranked as one of the best in the business nationwide, Lori's been selling real estate in Kern County for over three decades, during which time she successfully helped over 11,000 families meet their real estate needs. So if you're thinking of buying or selling, there's no better choice than the McCarty Group. Working with an expert makes the process easy and puts more money in your pocket. Just Google the McCarty Group, that's M double C A R T Y or call 661-665-SOLD. That's 661-665-7653. And she or one of her partners will be delighted to help you. Let them make you their next success story. And a good morning to you, Lori. Good morning, Adelaide. How are you doing this morning? Uh, is it crazy to think, uh, I wish it was warmer in summer? Is that is that is that crazy? <laughs> you know, you are never happy, right? In the summer, it's too hot. You're waiting for it to be cooler. <laughs> now that we have cooler weather, you've got to make sure that it's hot again, right? Yes, yes, absolutely. You have a long I, ways to go, I'm just telling you. I have a very, very narrow window of comfort temperature. Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's only kind of like yeah. my mom was. She, you know, we, we we talked about, you know, that half inch between your fingers, right? That was her comfort range. Right. 78 to 78.5 degrees. Right. Good. Good. <laughs> How's your weekend going so far? Well, you know, for most people, this is a three-day holiday weekend, uh, thanks to the men and women mm-hmm. that have served our country. Uh, and a big thank you to all of our veterans, and happy Veterans Day to each of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know technically Veterans Day was yesterday, but I think we should just celebrate all weekend long. Mm-hmm. Um, so somehow, <clears throat> shockingly, I'm actually managing to work through this weekend, oh. right? Uh, so it's not going to actually be a three-day weekend for me. Um, but once the show wraps, I'm going to take a break from work, and I'm going to take my husband and son out to lunch. Um, well, they both served in the military, and I want to celebrate each of them. Well, thank you to them, for sure. You bet. Um, how about you, Adelaide? What are you up to once we finish the show? Um, well, I was going to do chores and clean, but it's too cold. Okay. <laughs> really is a narrow window, huh? Uh, no, no. Uh, you know what? And I do I do have family in the military as well, so I'm going to make some phone calls, you know. Well, thank them for their service. We will. Absolutely. We'll do that, too. So, yeah, definitely proud to have, have them in our family and proud to thank you. Salute to all the veterans listening, too. So thank you so much. Absolutely. Yeah. Now, I do see we have a guest on the roster. So what are we spe- who are we speaking with, and what's the today's topic? Well, this morning, we have Deborah Johnson of California Veterans Assistance Foundation. Um, she's going to be talking to us um, about this local nonprofit that provides veterans with a wide variety of services, one of those being housing. 
Um, But before we start that interview, I want to talk about something else in real estate um, that was just recently brought to my attention. So back in 2014, the mayor of Los Angeles made a promise to end veteran homelessness in the city by 2015. Okay, spoiler (laughs) alert, it didn't happen. Um, And as I'm sure it's of no surprise to our listeners, Los Angeles's homeless population continues to climb, and so does the population of homeless veterans. Mm. So in Brentwood, there is a piece of prime real estate that is owned by the Department of Veterans Affairs, and a small part of it houses the VA's medical center. This land is also one of the most fought-over pieces of property in Los Angeles. The nearly 400 acres are in the middle of a densely populated and affluent part of the city. Now, given its location, the land has been coveted by many for commercial development. It's also been targeted as a perfect place to provide housing for some of the city's 8,000 homeless veterans. Mm. Government documents show that the VA has made millions of dollars renting out chunks of the property to private enterprises. For example, this property is leased to a private school, a ballpark, and an oil well. Mm. But here's the problem. This property was gifted to the VA back in 1888 on one single condition, that a home for disabled be, quote-unquote, thereon so located, established, and constructed, and permanently maintained. Hmm. So since 1888, that condition hasn't been met. And from my perspective... The VA's misuse of this piece of property has been a growing hot-button topic, so much so that it's resulted in a lawsuit from the American Civil Liberties Union. Now, if you fast-forward to today, where veteran housing is finally being built on this property and is actually being slated to open for business in January of 2023. But unfortunately, despite finally fulfilling its purpose, This land seems to be cloaked in controversy. What, you might ask, is the latest controversial issue? Mm. Okay, get this. 100% disabled veterans won't be eligible for the VA housing on this site. Huh. Unbelievable, right? Wow. Okay, so veterans with the highest disability ratings are being told they're not going to be allowed to move into these units as the money they get from their disability ratings means that they make too much money to qualify for the housing, wow. especially if they also receive Social Security. Uh, many of these disabled and homeless veterans currently live on the VA campus in what can only be described as sheds. Hmm. So frankly, I just got to say, I find this story to be frustrating and I thought it was one that needed to be shared with all of our listeners, Mm -hmm. um, particularly on this weekend. I think we can all agree that our veterans deserve housing. They put their lives on the line to protect us and our country. And at the very least, they deserve housing when they return home. Yeah, Lori, that is very frustrating. And it's hard to believe since 1888, Mm -hmm. it's taken over 134 years when that land was originally gifted to the VA, uh, for them to fulfill their promise to provide a home to disabled soldier, soldiers on that land. I agree, Yikes. Adelaide. Yeah. And, and now uh, that those who may need it the most 
might not qualify because their disability income is too high, uh, it's just it's shameful and it's distressing to me. Uh, I'm not saying I have all the answers. Um, I just think we owe a higher duty to our servicemen and women. I absolutely agree. Okay, so now looking at the clock, uh, I think we should take a quick break. And when we return, how about I introduce all of you to our guest, Deborah Johnson of California Veterans Assistance Foundation, Inc. All right, sounds like a plan. Great. Be sure and stay tuned because we'll be back in just a minute. You're listening to the Kern County Real Estate Review with Lori McCarty of the McCarty Group at Coldwell Banker Preferred Realtors on 1560 AM, 97.7 FM, KNZR, and streaming live on KNZR.com. And to reach Lori, you can call her or her team anytime at 661-665-SOLD. That's 661-665-7653. Or you can go to her website at themccartygroup.com, where you can tour all the properties available in Kern County from the comfort of your couch. Request an in-person tour. Find out the value of your home and see the McCarty Group success stories. Ranked number 10 in North America for Coldwell Banker last year and the only Kern County realtor to be listed in the Wall Street Journal's Top 100 Agents for 2021. She is truly an expert in her field. Her desire, as well as that of her team, is to not only achieve their clients' goals, but to exceed their expectations. So let them do just that. And we'll be right back with the Kern County Real Estate Review here on KNZR. And we're back this morning with Lori McCarty of the McCarty Group on the Kern County Real Estate Review here on 1560 AM, 97.7 FM KNZR and streaming live on KNZR.com. And now that was a great first segment. I think that's an excellent topic to talk about. And during the break, our guest actually has some insight about that topic. Right, which was phenomenal. Um, You know, they say that everything falls into place exactly Mm -hmm. as it is supposed to. So let me welcome to the microphone um, Deborah Johnson of California Veterans Assistance uh, Foundation. She is the president and CEO of the organization. Uh, Good morning, Deborah. How are you doing? Good morning. Um, I'm doing fantastic. Thank you for allowing me to be on your show this morning. Absolutely. So um, during the break, we were having a great discussion. Let's uh, try to pick that up. Uh, We were talking about this project in L.A. And um, tell us what your thoughts are on that project. You know, I I understand the frustration about people, um, you know, thinking that veterans are being unfairly looked at as far as their income for that type of a housing option. But unfortunately, in the world that I work in, which is homeless veterans and have been doing so for the last 26 years, you know, the first thing when we're screening a veteran for assistance, we look at their income. Mm -hmm. And so we we go off of area median income. And obviously, the area median income in that area is a little bit different than what we have here in Bakersfield. But when you had mentioned someone who's 100% service-connected disabled, that means they're reaching the top of the compensation line. And so that, and then if they have additional income, is going to bump them out of that area median income. 
Now, what it doesn't look at, though, is are there other housing issues that they have? So maybe they have multiple evictions or just have a poor rental history for a variety of reasons. And it could be from, you know, family stressors, divorce, um, et cetera. And they didn't always receive this level of income that they have today. Um, So we don't really proportionately look at the barriers other than, you know, our, our first thing is looking at the income, but the VA has other programs that that veteran can be eligible for. So even though they may not be eligible for that housing on the campus of the VA, there are other programs they can be assessed for for assistance. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Um, like I said, I don't have all the answers, <laughs> but at first glance, um, it just seems grossly unfair and um as you know, you know, I come from a family that is rooted in the military and, you know, we want to try to do everything we can to support uh, those who are serving and those who have served, um, particularly those who have become disabled as a result. Um, so I appreciate um, seeing the other side of that because I hadn't really thought about the fact that um, you've got different levels of income that you have to make those assessments on, right? Absolutely. Um, And, of course, um, when you are service-disabled 100%, um, your income um, will go a lot farther here in Bakersfield than it will there in L.A., right? Yes. So, great. Um, So, you've been doing, you've been helping homeless veterans um, for 26 years. Yes, ma'am. That's phenomenal. Thank you so much for what you do. Um, Clearly, you must have a passion for that. Um, So tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got into this. Well, uh, so I, if uh, you can tell by my accent, I am not a native Californian. (laughs) Um, I actually grew up in rural Wisconsin, um, and in a very small, uh, rural, poor community and wanted, decided I wanted to go to college. Uh, my family wasn't able to pay for it. So my option, one of my options was to join the military. Mm-hmm. So my senior year in high school, I joined the Wisconsin Army National Guard, um, where I served for uh, just under 10 years. Um, and then in 1990, deployed to um, Southwest Asia for Desert Shield, Desert Storm. Once I got out of the military, I won't say how long that has been. It's been a few uh, years ago. Um, I I was working um, for um, an organization, really loved the work that I did, but didn't feel that it was my passion. Mm -hmm. Um, I was was a sales rep for um, a, a company. And one day, uh, I joined the Veterans of Foreign Wars, which I've been in the VFW 27 years. Um, Mm -hmm. And so one of the members of the VFW said, hey, you know, we are running this homeless veteran program on the grounds of um, Fort McCoy, Wisconsin, you know, and would you volunteer and help us with some stuff? And I'm like, wow, this is, I I like this. I, Mm -hmm. I like the idea of we call it service after service. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, a, a couple weeks after my initial conversation with him, the office manager quit. He said, hey, we have a job opening. And I started as the office manager, worked my way up within that organization, moved out to California in 2009. 
I got caught in the Bakersfield quicksand, as I call it, because I was only supposed to be here a year. I know. Um, Isn't it amazing how that happens? Yeah. I was supposed to be here 12 to 18 months. (laughs) (laughs) See, you got got caught in the quicksand, too. Um, And so the California Veterans Assistance Foundation, we were established here in the state of California in 2003 um, to carry on our mission from our sister organization from Wisconsin. And I love this community. It has allowed my organization to kind of like branch out, do some out-of-the-box housing options for veterans, um, be incorporated into the community to get to do a lot of projects, um, be involved on the, the veterans level on, on every, at, at every capacity. And so it's really exciting to uh, not only be in this community where veterans are a huge priority, but to be recognized as an organization that provides critical services to veterans in need. That's wonderful. It is so clear to me that you have a servant's heart. And thank you so much for that. And thank you for your service as well. You're welcome. Um, so share with all of us, what is the mission of California Veterans Assistance Foundation? So our mission is to serve veterans and other individuals and their families that are homeless at risk and low income. And that is to provide them information and advocacy to help them alleviate their homelessness. Our primary mission is always going to be to serve homeless veterans in our community. But, you know, kind of during the pandemic, pre-pandemic, into the pandemic, our community identified some other subpopulations within our community that are are also in need. So a few years ago, we launched a low barrier scattered site shelter for homeless youth aged 18 to 24. Okay. So veterans are and their family uh, members are always our top priority. But this new population, this um, homeless youth population, Wow, incredible stories. That tugs at your heartstrings as well. And uh, so we decided that um, we can utilize our expertise in the the veteran arena and kind of cross over into this other subpopulation. And um, they're very similar. Um, A lot of the attributes between the two populations are similar. So we are blessed to be able to serve those two primary target populations in our community. That's wonderful. Now, did I hear you say earlier that the CVAF was established in 2003, or mm-hmm. was that just the local? Um, local, yeah. Chapter, okay. We, we started um, as the Veterans Assistance Foundation in the state of Wisconsin. We had a sister organization there that started in 1996. So we have been in this arena for a very, very long time. Um, And I started in California specifically in 2000. Okay, great. And now, um, what area do you serve? Is it just Bakersfield or... You're shaking your head. No, no so share with me. What, what the listeners cannot see my head movements. Um, no, we serve all of Kern County. So how our services are determined is based on our funding stream, right? So, okay. you know, we have to do what our funders um, essentially tell us that we do. So we, our housing is restricted to Kern County. We can serve anybody within the geographic boundaries of Kern County, but 
a veteran moving from Florida into Kern County, mm-hmm. we can serve them. Oh, wow. so um, so we're not restricted where a veteran comes from, but okay. we're we're restricted within um, essentially the county. But then it also depend depends um, what program we're operating because. Um, if anybody knows a little bit about our organization, we have multiple housing tracks for veterans. Okay. So um, it, it changes all the time. I said the one thing, the great thing about the work that we do, if you don't like it, it'll mm-hmm. change. Uh, we'll either change the definition of veteran or change the definition of homeless. So <laughs> so hang on tight. Um, so it's important if there's anybody that's listening that thinks they understand where we were maybe five years ago and what our housing was, it's changed today. Okay. We have new housing tracks, new programs, new modalities, and it's important that um, if you encounter a veteran that's in need, that you reach out right to subject matter experts, and we'll help them out. Fantastic. So how big is your local team? Uh, we have, when we're fully staffed, we have 24 people. Um, and that includes some other um, some other smaller community-based projects, but 24 is our, our magic number today because we saw, just like everybody else, um, if you were in the, the human services industry during the pandemic, I know that there a lot of businesses really got hurt hard by the pandemic. Yes. But human services did not. If anything, they asked us to expand and grow. Mm-hmm. So we actually grew um, during the pandemic because we were afforded opportunities with new housing models and, and programs to help all members of our community, not just veterans and the homeless youth I talked about. Mm -hmm. Um, and so right now, a lot of those programs are, they're starting to wind down a little bit, but you know, once they wind down, we'll get another project up and running. So 24 is about where we sit with staffing. Okay, so talk to us about the various programs and services that uh, California Veterans Assistance Foundation offers to our veterans and homeless. We have the full array, with the exception of emergency shelter. We, by definition, are not an emergency shelter. The VA does not allow us to kind of carry that uh, that tagline with the work that we do. But we're predominantly known for transitional housing. That is um, housing assistance. The The first project under that is called Bridge Housing. Okay. Bridge was established in 2018 because we identified a group of veterans that maybe had a permanent housing solution. So most people have heard of Section 8 housing, low-income housing. Mm-hmm. A veteran would get a voucher. But if they were on the street... We lost track of them. We could not find them. And so it's like, we have an opportunity for housing for you, but you're transient. You're moving and we can't find you. Right. So bridge housing allows us to bridge someone from the street to permanent housing um, within 90 to 180 days. So it is short-term temporary housing, an opportunity to stabilize while they can get in. They use that voucher to get attached to um, an apartment or a housing unit. Okay. So, um, and that one, like I said, you know, that one is predominantly at our Decatur facility in the Oildale area. Most people are familiar with that. Mm -hmm. The other 
uh, transitional housing program that we have is called Supportive Services, or I'm sorry, Service Intensive Transitional Housing. That is longer term housing. The, this is for veterans who do not have that permanent housing track. So they don't have access to a voucher. They're not eligible for a voucher or another type of housing subsidy. They may have an income that's over area median income, right? Okay. So they're not going to qualify for low income housing because they have adequate income, but they still need time and assistance to get into permanent housing. So that one extends out up to 24 four months. Um, And that is our Buena Vista facility. Um, And that really in the last three years has become a family housing program. So um, our our programs are a little bit different than other traditional facilities because we own apartment complexes. So people live in apartments, not high density. You know, you don't have like six to eight people in a room. These are two-bedroom, about 400 to 600 square foot apartments that people live in. So we were able to modify our housing model to accept veterans in that have um, spouses. um, uh, And and some of them, their family consists of a parent um, and dependent children. So, you know, about seven years ago, we were specifically, you know, single male veteran is, Mm -hmm. is our population. And now we serve the whole entire gamut from um, single male, single female to any any sort of family dynamic that you can think of. That is wonderful. Yeah. Um, and then uh, one of our other projects is Supportive Services for Veterans Families. It is a homeless prevention rapid rehousing project. Now, this is more into the permanent housing piece where if a veteran is, um, if they've been served with an eviction notice and the sheriff has tacked that um you know, notice on their door that they've mm-hmm. got to vacate. We now can step in. We can coordinate with the landlord to try to prevent that eviction because that's what we want to stop, right? right? Eviction is bad for everybody. It's costly mm-hmm. for a landlord and specifically for the veteran. Um, so we can uh, come in as long as they qualify. First, we look at income, um, but we can pay uh, their back rent, Um, And help them get caught up and even including utilities, because if somebody gets their utilities cut off in their apartment, now it becomes uninhabitable Mm -hmm. and that and and a landlord can evict for habitability standards. So um, we on the back end can try to come in and help do that homeless prevention piece. Or if they are on the streets, we can do a rapid rehousing program to help them with uh, rental assistance to get into a new unit. So we had, like you said, from transitional to permanent housing. And then, you know, there's always these little nuances in between. But uh, we we run a full variety of services for homeless veterans or those at risk. That is fantastic. Um, I'm so glad to hear all of that. Now, one of the programs that I found mentioned on your website was the Homeless Veterans Reintegration Program. Can you tell us a little bit about that program specifically? So that program is actually operated through the Department of Labor. Um, it is not a grant that we currently hmm. operate, but there are there is another grantee in our community, um, and it is employment-based. Okay. So CVAF, we coordinate with the Employment Development Department Career Services Center. Um, I'm trying to think of all the acronyms they go by at this point in time. America's right. Job Center. Right. <laughs> I think that's, okay, 
we're going to land on that one. So um, if we have a veteran that's homeless in our program, we always refer that we always want them to maximize their income. Now that could be through a VA compensation, pension, social security, or private sector employment. Uh, They would be assessed by America's Job Center. And if America's Job Center determines that they're a good fit for that, we call HVRP, that HVRP project, then the then America's Job Center will do a direct referral from our clients to that agency to help them with some um, employment assistance. Gosh, that's great. Yeah. Um, that, that really is. That, it, it appears to me that you're, you're taking care of more than just the housing. Uh, you're taking care of the whole person, which yes. I think is, is wonderful. Um, now, no one really likes to talk about money. But when it comes to nonprofits, I feel like it's really unavoidable, right? Um, so can you tell us where the funding comes from for CVAF's various programs? Absolutely. And I don't have a problem talking about it because I, I do think um, our community needs to understand that to to be a nonprofit um that provides housing assistance or any type of supportive services, you have to... Um, Funding is difficult, I will I will say first and foremost. So the majority of our funding comes from the US Department of Veterans Affairs. That's for our transitional and our, our transitional housing and our supportive services for veterans and families grant. Um, and then we have been blessed with funding through our local Bakersfield Current Regional Homeless Collaborative mm-hmm. for our homeless youth program. And that's money that has come through the state. They call it HAP, so it's um, Homeless Housing Assistance Program. Okay. Um, so when our community hears about all of the state funding that comes into our community and how is it utilized, uh, we as providers write a competitive grant. Um, you know, we, we compete locally for that money to stand up these programs. So, and, and we're like everybody else that local donations or donations from corporations or agencies, it's, it's critical to the mission because a lot of funding doesn't cover operational costs of a business, which we all know you got to keep your, your lights on, um, insurances in your administrative office, Mm -hmm. um, a lot of people think, you know, f- funding programs is all about just housing focused, but we need to make sure that as an agency that that we're good. So uh, we we look for donations once in a while. We'll do fun. We do fundraising if we have a specific um, ask that okay. we're looking for. But like I said, we we mainly focus on that that state funding that comes through the city and the county, um, and then the VA. Okay. Perfect. So can you share with us what is the biggest challenge that your team faces when trying to find housing for homeless veterans? Right now, it's housing inventory. I kind of figured. Yeah. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Kind of the same challenge in my business, (laughs) right? (laughs) Yeah. And, and, And it's funny because sometimes it's like it as we're talking about this, sometimes mm-hmm. it doesn't matter what your current housing status is. If you're looking for a place to live, you're competing with everybody else that's out there. Correct. So if if you are homeless, and I had mentioned earlier, if you have had like an eviction or poor rental history, your application goes to the bottom of the list and yes, bottom, bottom, bottom. But 
the the biggest challenge for everybody in our community is housing inventory. We have a 1% vacancy rate, which mm-hmm. means, you know, if, if somebody is coming in, and, and it's great that industry is growing, but when industry comes, so do people. Right. And we are not, as a community, our, we're, our uh, housing inventory rate is not growing with that. So that's number one. Number two right now is with inflation, the uh, landlords are increasing their rent. Mm -hmm. So um, if we have, if they, in in by law, they can increase it 10% each year. So if you have an apartment right now, you're renting for $1,000 and it goes up, uh, uh, you know, $100 a month, Mm -hmm. um, people that are living um, on on the verge of, homelessness or you know their their income is extremely low a hundred dollars a month is a lot of money on top of food utilities and all the other living expenses particularly when all of those expenses are also going up every month because of inflation yes ma'am and so um we are like i said housing inventory is number one and and number two it's it's we have got to somehow find a way to control um, the increases of rents in our community. And and I understand why, you know, I get, you know, being a landlord's a business and there's a cost mm-hmm. of business. Um, but it really concerns me what's going to happen in the future for people in our community that are financially living on the edge right now. I completely understand. You know, this was such an informative intro. Thank you very much. Um, I think this is a great place for us to take a short break. But before we do, Tell everyone listening how they reach you. Okay, so if you are a veteran in need and you are looking for assistance from our organization, you can call 661-829-5908. If you are a a citizen in the community and you want to know a little bit more about CVAF in general, you can call our administrative office at 661-455-7400. Perfect. We'll be right back after the break. You're listening to the Kern County Real Estate Review with Lori McCarty on 1560 AM, 97.7 FM, KNZR, and streaming live on KNZR.com. We'll be right back. You're listening to KNZR, 1560 AM, 97.7 FM, and streaming live on KNZR.com. And we're back this morning with the Kern County Real Estate Review, featuring our host, Lori McCarty of the McCarty Group. For all your real estate questions, call Lori at 661-665-SOLD. That's 661-665-7653. Or go online to themccartygroup.com. You can also follow Lori on social media. For Facebook, follow her at The McCarty Group or on Instagram at Lori underscore McCarty. And to keep up with all the real estate news in Kern County, you can follow this show on Facebook and Instagram at the Kern County Real Estate Review. There you can also submit questions you'd like Lori to answer on air or suggest topics you'd like her to cover on Saturday mornings. And this morning, we're talking with Deborah Johnson of the California Veterans Assistance Foundation. And Deborah, first and foremost, if someone needs to get a hold of you, how can they do that? Um, if you are a member of our community and you know of a veteran or a veteran family in need, they can reach our office at 661 
829-5908. Or if you're a member of the community and you want to understand a little bit about our organization and some of our other projects, you can contact us at 661 455 7400. Excellent. Well, thank you for that. And now, Deborah, we do bring a lot of nonprofits on the show, and, and each one seems to have a feel good story to share with us. Uh, could you tell us a time when CVAF was able to help out a veteran and how they did that? You know, there's so many of them. It's like, do you want one in the last year or the Aww. last 20 years? But, but I'll share. Uh, You have all heard that I've been doing this work for a very long time, 26 years, spanning over two states. And I am Facebook friends with a couple women that I served when I was in Wisconsin back in 1998. And to see that they're still thriving, that they're doing well, um, you know, that they've reconnected with their family and that they've been stable for such a, a long time is incredible. And they'll say, thank you, you did it. And I'm like, no, you, our clients are the ones that do the work. We, we provide the path. Um, and for them, the work is hard, but it is so cool to be able, like I said, you know, like on mm-hmm. social media, because now you get to see um, how your work has affected generations um, right. of mm-hmm. veterans and their families. And, um, and so I, I, I could fill up probably an hour segment just telling you story after story after story. Um, But the last one was I did a presentation last week through um, to uh, Kern Behavioral Health and sitting on the panel of Kern Behavioral Health was one of our former clients who, who was the first female that had come through one of our programs and she was successful. And she's like, Debbie, I just want you to know I'm a homeowner. I'm stably housed, um, and I'm doing really well. And she sits on the board of a major organization yeah. in our community, and it's like, yep, that's why after 26 years, you're still doing the work, you love it, um, and every day is a new adventure. That is so wonderful. What great stories those are. And mm-hmm. and I will echo what um, those clients said to you. You... I know that you believe they did the work, but absolutely you provided the path. And without that path, um, they wouldn't have had the ability to do the work. So, again, thank you on behalf of the community for what you've done. That's wonderful. That's a blessing for you to say. Mm -hmm. Um, Now, let's talk a little bit about uh, some of the projects that you have going on, if you don't mind. You know, a few years back, I saw a news article about a tiny home housing project in Oildale. Um, I think it was called Covey Cottages. Mm -hmm. Can you tell us about that project? I would love to talk about that project. Um, It, it, you know, it, it, uh, we had an opportunity, a a piece of land was given to us. Um, I don't know if you all know who Dick Taylor is. He used to be the director of the Veterans Service Department, uh, serves on the board of another nonprofit. Um, And he approached me and said, hey, we have this piece of land. We would like to donate it to CVAF. The caveat is, would you build housing on it? So we we jumped on the opportunity. Of course. That's kind of what we do. Yes. Um, So kind of at the same time, we had Tim Terrio. He's got Health Through Wholeness as his nonprofit wanting to do a tiny home project. So we, we partnered on that. 
some of our challenges that we've come up with. And I know a lot of people in the community are, you know, they don't see movement and that the, the project is scrapped, but that's couldn't be farther from the truth. Um, part of the, our challenge happened when, you know, um, the, the pandemic started, of course. you know, uh, some of the offices closed down. We weren't able to get some of our permitting done. Some of our organizations that were going to be very generous, generous donors, uh, you know, really couldn't do it. But where we're at right now, we have not stopped the project. Okay. We had to pivot our funding. We did not want to do a project where we had to ask for any sort of federal money because there's always strings attached with mm-hmm. federal money. But mm-hmm. as we were coming out of the pandemic, um, about a year and a half ago, and we saw what the cost of constru- construction materials have gone through the, through roof. the roof. It's, it's mm-hmm. doubled, um, mm-hmm. and availability has changed. We kind of like, you know, we redid our budget, and we determined that what we had originally budgeted was not going to cover the cost. Right. So we decided to apply for some federal funding, which required a six-month environmental review. Which meant for six months, we couldn't touch that project. We couldn't even oh. go on to the project. Mm-hmm. So it sat vacant for six months while the environmental review was being done. Mm-hmm. It came back with, now we have to do a soil one study. Yeah. So, okay. So now you have to do a, you know, you have to hire a contractor. They have to come in. They do the soil one. After the soil one came back now we have to do a phase two or the phase one for the soil survey now we're in the middle of a phase two soil survey so we have continued this project through the whole entire time it has just been delayed through um the term sequa anybody um so some of these environmental reviews that you have to go through has delayed it but we did secure and i'm not going to say through who yet but we have just uh secured um a five hundred thousand dollar grant to get the project you know like once we we have to finish phase two right um the soil study and once that gets done and everything gets cleared through the county then then we can officially go back in in construction so we we've been working on it this whole entire time but we've and We've just had delays and delays and delays. And um, so if you're in the community and you're wondering, it's still a go. It is going to get done in my lifetime before (laughs) I retire. It is such a critical project for our community. And it's intended for veterans that are 55 and older who are low income. Okay. um, That may not qualify for another sort of housing subsidy. So they may not qualify for um, a HUD-BASH voucher or a Section 8 voucher. We want veterans to be able to age in place, in grace, in safe, affordable housing. And this uh, will be perfect for that subpopulation. It is 12 400 square foot units of permanent housing um, with a 13th unit that will be a community center and a laundry facility. Fantastic. You know, so many times people hear about a project starting and they don't really know unless they've been through the process of a development what all is involved. And you're 100% right. I remember the days when... um, I would call down to the city, um, uh, no, that department is closed until Thursday. Um, oh, no, we're only open on Tuesdays um, during the pandemic because um, it was a very real issue. And mm-hmm. 
these things do just take time. And um, thank you so much for explaining, because I'm sure members of the community uh, appreciate hearing that the project is moving yes. forward. It's just taking time. Yes, and it's it, it's hard um, for us because we we want we we wanted it done. You know, yeah, you wanted it done ago. two years ago, right? <laughs> right, right. right. <laughs> Absolutely. So, what other upcoming projects does CVAF have in the works? Well, we just wrapped up our Kern County Veterans Stand Down. It's an annual one day event where we bring. Uh, so, a stand down is is for us in our community a, a two part process. Stand down is focused for a, a supportive service day for homeless veterans. It, okay. That's what stand down uh, the the term is, and I. I relate it to when you watch the show MASH and they all went to um, Seoul, Korea for R&R and they Uh came back. They had, you know, haircuts, fresh uniforms. They were just rejuvenated. Right. So the intent of stand down is for veterans that are living on the street that they have a place they can come in one spot. They can get clothing, haircuts, showers. We had legal services, housing. So they don't have to navigate our huge community Mm -hmm. um all the services are in one place and then um back in 2009 when cvaf took over uh coordinating the stand down we're like you know if we're gonna have all these service providers let's open it up to a resource day for all veterans so it is the largest resource event for all veterans in our community it's always held on the second thursday in october every year this past year we had 350 veterans with dependents come through and receive services um, and about 95 community-based service providers came in to provide that assistance so that's why this community is so amazing they you know uh you're you're doing stand down we can provide services for veterans and their families i'm there nobody hesitated to step in and help this year that's wonderful wow um you know we've talked off air about what a giving community this is um and it makes me proud to be a part of it um Share with us how the community can contribute to furthering CVAF's mission. Well, I'm going to say, you know, uh, when you posed that question to me when we were we were off air, I stopped and thought, what is the message that I want to give the community right now? And I'm going to talk about food insecurity. Okay. Um, it's November. This morning, uh, as I was getting ready to come to work, I'm listening on the news about the high cost of food for Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. And when we stop and think about, a lot of us don't even think about how much money we spend on a Thanksgiving meal. And if we calculated it, you're probably a couple hundred dollars. Right. But if you're a low-income family, you don't have an extra couple hundred dollars to be able to put that that. Uh, meal on the table so what they have a tendency to do is they'll skip a payment somewhere else so they'll not maybe make a car payment uh, or some other bill or a utility bill and then that kind of puts them behind but cvf has partnered with armed forces support foundation and wounded heroes fund through um, a, a program where we provide food baskets for veterans with food insecurity during the holidays thanksgiving and christmas so um, if you would like to um, participate or help in that, we're looking for 
um, non-perishable food items that would go into a Thanksgiving basket, you know, the corn, beans, all that sort of stuff, or food. Um, Gift certificates for uh, grocery stores or if they want to provide some financial donations, you can route them through California Veterans Assistance Foundation. We would restrict it specifically for food baskets for veterans with food insecurities and make sure that that goes out to veterans in our community. But as an agency, we are always, I I coined this phrase, clean your cupboards, clean your closets, because Mm -hmm. we all, you know, like, man, what am I going to, sometimes, if you've ever looked at your, even your own food pantry, why did I buy that stuff? (laughs) You can give that back to agencies like us because we have other uh, housing program, permanent housing programs where veterans are in need. So we'll make sure any donation, whether it's food, clothing, Uh, We have a pay it forward mentality. If you give us something that we as an agency can't use specifically, we'll make sure it goes to an agency in our community that can. Um, So we want to filter um, any of your excess clothing, food, or if you have some financial, uh, some some extra money that you would, if you're going to win the lottery tonight, (laughs) we would love to be a benefactor. Absolutely. (laughs) Yeah. I love that. That's great. Adelaide, do you have any questions for Deborah? Well, I think talking about the community and, and contributing and everything, I just think about the other uh, the the outreach aspect because I feel like you know when we're driving down the street or I'll ride my bike in the morning and you, and you and you see you know the homeless encampments and everything, and you're kind of like I don't know what to do in this situation, but I'd love to share right. info about mm-hmm. this program. Um, I, I don't know if you have any suggestions on how you would do that because I just, I think a lot of people are afraid too, though. Just like, I, I don't know how to approach these because you, you talked about if you know someone that needs help, that's a referral. But mm-hmm. if you don't know these people, but you can see that, the, you know, because it's getting cold, it's cold mm-hmm. at night now. And I just feel awful, you know, when you go by mm-hmm. and you know, they're, they're cold. I mean, how do you, what's the best way to approach them and say, Hey, there, there's programs. Well, and they're hurting. Um, our unsheltered people right now in our community are really hurting. And you hit the nail on the head. I mean, we went from, what, 80 degrees last week to today's 58 for a high and mm-hmm. rain. Um, so, you know, it, if people are afraid to approach, that's perfectly fine. There's there's two agencies in our community that provide direct street outreach. CVAF is one of them. We have mm-hmm. a street outreach worker that goes and engages with people in the community. And then the other one is Flood Bakersfield Ministries. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So um, if you do not want to engage with a person directly, one of the things you can do is you can call our agency and say, hey, I have seen this at this is the location and this is what I've witnessed. But one of the things I am going to ask people for is um, I, I have this big thing about shoes and how many of our unsheltered people do not have adequate footwear. And it's cold out there. Mm-hmm. So please clean your closets. If you have a, extra shoes, drop them off at an agency. Let's get them distributed out to somebody in need in our community. Um, and if you are brave enough to engage, you can talk to them. Um, as they're human beings and they're amazing people just today they're in dire circumstances and you can ask them what do you need if there was one thing that I could offer you today what would it be and some of them are humble and kind they may not ask for anything but I would also say always carry some bottled water 
Um, uh, because that that's a huge uh, issue right now is making sure that they are adequately hydrated. But we have uh, some amazing, you know, food programs, so that's not going to be an issue. But just, um, I would say, blankets, jackets, um, anything that's cold weather gear, gloves, scarves, mittens, caps, uh, water. Those are essential items for anybody at this time of year. Yeah, that's a great idea because I, I feel like, you know, with your one of your programs being one of these great programs that helps out and there's and there's other great organizations too helping but it just seems like it's gonna be there and it's and that's the tough part going like uh i'm just one person i want to outreach these people and i want to help right yeah and another thing i'm thinking about too is uh when you there's different requirements whether it's financial how much you make is is there a minimum uh, qualification for someone to participate in a program like yours? What's the bare minimum or what's, you know, well, how do they get involved? Get in there. So for CVAF, for, for, because we provide a, a huge array of housing options, right? Mm-hmm. Like, so, so some of our programs, if you want to try to get in, it's income restricted and some of them are not. So it honestly, it's a willingness. You have to be willing to humble yourself to come in to receive services. And that's hard, especially for veterans. I am one and it is very difficult for us to ask for help or to admit that we need it. Um, So above and, you know, everything else, they have to have a willingness to want to come in to listen um, and uh, to get assistance from from somebody else. Yeah, and that, I'm glad you brought that up because that was crossing my mind too. I don't want to offend anybody by saying like, "Hey, there's help," mm-hmm. because I could see that pride taking over and be like, "Hey, you know what? I don't need anything." But I'm like, "Man, you're sleeping on the sidewalk, and I know it's cold." Well, a, a lot of it is we talk about we need multiple engagements to develop trust. Mm-hmm. So it, I mean, I always tell people. Put yourself in the mindset if this was maybe an uncle, a brother of yours, Mm. and they were facing this situation. Would you just want a random person to come up and say, hi, Mm. my name is Debbie, and if you get in my car with me and I will take you to this place and help you, you're going to, your first, your first reaction is to not trust somebody. I don't know who this is. I'm not going to get in a car. I don't know where they're going to take me. So a lot of it is developing trust with somebody that knows that we have their best interest at heart. And sometimes for some people, it takes a little bit longer, especially if they have mental health, they have substance use issues, um, or, you know, just in general trust issues, or maybe something has happened in, in their past life and experiences. So it is. But the first part is to engage, be kind. Some people will gravitate towards you. You would be amazed. Um, In January, we do our annual point in time count, and we ask members of our community to come alongside us to go out and engage. And they are amazed at how gracious and nice some of our unsheltered people are. And I I would encourage people, if if they have any level of... um, you know, they want to try to find out a little bit more or see what it's like to engage. We we can help people with that, and you then they can determine whether they have that servant heart as well. Because once you do engage with people on the street, um, it changes your life. It changes your life. Yeah. And wow. so I think that it's very powerful to have that level of involvement in our community. Amazing to hear. Yeah, amazing. And, and it's a problem that, you know, without anybody 
you know, putting in the effort, it's not going to go away. No, exactly. No. And we can't move them from encampment to encampment. Like if if somebody's on one street, you know, they'll move if they're told or, you know, forced to move, but they're not housed. They're just being relocated somewhere else. Um, And that is the struggle as as agencies we have in this community is a lot of our our clients are very transient. We have a level of involvement or engagement with them. And then maybe a couple weeks later, they're gone. Mm -hmm. We don't know where they've went to. So we kind of like put out this community bulletin. Hey, do you know where Joe is? Last week, he was on the corner of California and Weibull. And I don't know where he is today. And so... Uh, you know, we try to work amongst uh, um, work amongst each other, especially those that are most vulnerable. Like those are our our biggest targets are those that are the most vulnerable that are on the streets right now. Could you actually give us a number of the amount of homeless in Bakersfield? Is there is there a good, a good estimate? From last I, year? I don't have that information. I am not the data guru <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> for, for that. Okay. But what I what I can tell you is um, through the Bakersfield Kern Regional Homeless Collaborative, we do have a comprehensive data system called HMIS, which is the Homeless Management Information System. So all of the agencies involved in the Homeless Collaborative put data in, and we it's kind of like this data sharing um, okay. uh, system. And so it can fluctuate. What my agency focuses on is homeless veterans. We do have a veteran by name list. So we have identified, I think our, our current count is anywhere between 75 to 79 veterans that are homeless on the streets throughout Kern County. So that's my focus. Um, And then other subpopulations, you know, there's other agencies in our community that serve those. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, thank you for everything you do. That's amazing. Amazing Very much so. And thank you so much for taking time out of your day today to be with us this morning. Um, I really appreciate you being here today and providing our listeners with a wealth of information. Um, Before we go, tell our listeners one more time how they can reach you for your services. Okay. Again, uh, we all or most of us know somebody in our community that's a need or they have a question about veteran services at all. They can contact our office at 661-829- Five nine zero eight. If you're interested to learn more about the California Veterans Assistance Foundation, you have questions about any of our programs or our Covey Cottage project, you can reach us at 661-455-7400. Perfect. A heartfelt thanks to each and every one of you for tuning in today and for tuning in each and every week. You know, today we've connected you with Deborah Johnson of California Veterans Assistance Foundation. And, you know, you may notice that we feature a lot of nonprofits on the show. That's because we think it's important to highlight those that do good work in our community, especially when it involves housing. If you feel called to help CVAF or another nonprofit I've mentioned on the show, I encourage you to do so. Get out there and volunteer or make a donation. And remember, if there are details of today's topic you'd like to revisit, or you know someone who would enjoy this information and couldn't tune in this hour, we've got three ways that you can access this show. You can catch our Encore presentation each Sunday morning at 8 a.m. here on KNCR, just before Sean Hannity. 
You can hear this and previous shows wherever you get your podcasts by searching the Kern County Real Estate Review. Or you can access the show on our website at themccartygroup.com, and there you can listen to your heart's content. This is Lori McCarty with the McCarty Group of Coldwell Banker Preferred Realtors and your host of the Kern County Real Estate Review, wishing you and yours a blessed day and a fantastic week ahead. You've been listening to 1560 AM, 97.7 FM, KNZR, and streaming live on KNZR.com. We'll be back next week.